Welcome to Church Online. We are so delighted to have you here with us today. Man, what a powerful time in worship. I don't know about you, but man, wasn't that, man, I just felt the presence of God. Isn't it so good to have our team just fully engaged? And look, I hope you engaged at the house as well. Um, you know, the goal is this. We, we don't want to just watch church. We want to be the church. So let me, let me just encourage you with that, that when you're at home, maybe even get dressed. Say, hey, look, I know we can't go anywhere, but maybe we're going to get dressed as a family. We're going to eat breakfast, and then we're going to get in the living room together, be dressed up. Listen, worship starts going. I just encourage you to lift your hands, stand up, and engage. You know, I love the watch party mentality, but I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participator. So look, even at home right now, look, comment in the section. Say, amen, pastor. Come on, good word. Like, like engage in it as if we were in church together. Don't allow it to just cause you to sit back and spectate, but believe in that God's presence and power is with you right where you are at. And some of you are looking around and saying, my goodness, what, what, where are you filming at? This is our office as a church, we're portable, and so that means we meet in a school on Sunday mornings. We have a team of people that set up and tear down, and of course, the schools are not open to us. So we just we said, hey, we're going to film in the office and uh, create an environment where we can really just experience the power of God. And so I'm grateful that we have this Dream Center campus. It's been amazing, been a blessing to us, thankful for technology. Come on, how many have had a learning curve? Come on, everybody's had a learning curve. Say amen, pastor, amen, yep. Like, like I don't know about you, but I, I'm not uh, of the generation that wants to do FaceTime calls now. So I know you do, V. She want to FaceTime. I'm like, V, I don't want to FaceTime. Uh, come on, right, Ethan? These guys here. So I get it. Look, I know many of you are out there and you are the one that's saying, look, I, I don't want to learn how to do it. I'm not going to learn how to do it. I want to encourage you with this. Listen, you can do it. Uh, I got on a few FaceTime calls at the beginning and, and even the whole Facebook Live where I'm trying to give everybody updates with what's happening. What I've learned is in a time like this more than ever, we need to see each other's faces. We need to have that interaction with one another. So I just encourage you, learn. Just get over the, the learning curve and say, I'm going I'm to do it Jump on Zoom calls. I'm so, so excited about all the small groups that are still happening. Look, if you go to our website, we've made it super easy. So we just, we realized, hey, we need more interaction than ever before. But if you go to the website, you click on it. We've actually organized our small groups based on the day and time. And then you just click the button and it actually brings you to the Zoom call itself. So say you got Monday night at 7 p.m. and it's available. You don't have to sign up for a small group. You just, you click the link at Monday night at 7 p.m. And bam, you're going to be right there with everybody else in the Zoom call. And I just want to encourage you, find a small group, Join it, be a part of it, find a time that works for you, and let's make sure we are staying connected together. I want to say thank you as a church, too, for your generosity. It's amazing to see the impact that's being made. Yesterday, uh, we had a blood donation, a mobile blood donation bus sitting in front of the, the Dream Center campus. From my understanding, 38 people came and gave blood and donated blood and, and really making a difference, literally life and death difference by giving and donating blood and being a part of that. We had our outreach teams. They were out. It was amazing. I, I get a tracking sheet of all the phone calls that are being made and people's needs 
needs and prayer requests. It, it was amazing. I need groceries. And then to the other side, it says delivered, done, prayed for them. Someone needed prescriptions. Someone uh, needed some money to pay rent. Someone needed some money for uh, just supplies and, and things that, that otherwise they wouldn't have had if it, if it wasn't for you and your generosity. And so it was amazing to see so many people just touched and uh, th- their life is impacted because we're able to bless them and, and help them in the time of need. Hundreds and hundreds of care packages were done for first responders. And they're, they're telling me about all the new things we're doing to get them to those that are on the front line. So Jen, just want to say thank you. I know they had activity packs they were given to families. I think one day they told me they had about 100 and something. And within three hours, they were all gone. I said, I didn't even see a, a post. And they said, yeah, I know it was crazy. It just, they went out the door so quick. Uh, and I just thank you for being so quick to respond. Here's something that's cool. Uh, someone in our church had a great idea about all these truckers that are going uh, back and forth and delivering all these supplies. Though we are kind of in lockdown and mandatory isolation or physical isolation, uh, these truckers, they're keeping America alive. And so he had an idea. He said, man, we just, we want to put some signs up that say, hey, truckers are our heroes. We love you. Keep going. God is with you. Thank you for what you're doing. And so hey, we said, we, we got this. And so they made signs. They're being delivered Tuesday. So you'll see on a couple of the highways, these signs that say truckers are our heroes. I mean, no, we need to encourage them. We need them to know how much we love and appreciate them. So if you think about it, say a prayer for them. Just amazing to see the creativity and the way things are, are being able to the way we're able to impact people in a way that you would have never thought possible before. Look at how God is going to speak to these truckers. So thank you for that. Thank you for all the team that has now been serving online and those that have uh, been a part of delivering the groceries, making phone calls. It's a huge team effort. I'm so delighted and, and really uh, proud to see how the church has stepped up in that. Uh, I don't know if you have been uh, like me uh, just in these turbulent times, uncertain times, I think you can get caught up in watching the news. Anybody know what I'm talking about? If you watch the news and find yourself watching too much news, give me a, a thumbs up or a thumbs down or something. You know what I mean? It's, it, I, I, I was talking to someone and they were telling me what Stephen Furtick said. He said, news is to be checked, not to be watched. And I thought, man, isn't that good? It's like, we ought to check it. Check it in the morning. Check it in the afternoon. Check it in the evening. Don't watch it all day. Like, get some preaching. Like, like find something that stirs your spirit. Listen to the Bible. L- allow ourselves to be fed faith, not fear. And so it's important for that. Uh, but one of the things you don't see often uh, when you're watching the news is what God's doing around the world. I think you ought to dive in and say, what is God doing around the world? Do a Google search. I've had some stories that were sent to me by people that are just seeing what God is doing around the world. I just want to encourage you. Here, here's one of them. An atheist doctor in Italy turns to God while on duty fighting against the coronavirus. Now, don't go Google it now. Just they'll put the title in the comments. Stay with me. But what's amazing is these atheist doctors are helping people that have been infected by this coronavirus, and, and they're turning to God. Here's what one of them said. Though we were once fierce atheists, we are now daily in search of peace, asking the Lord to help us continue so that we can take care of the sick. And so, listen, I know there's a lot of bad news. I mean, we're all, we see it, we hear it, but it's not just bad 
things that are happening. Though the enemy would bring something like this to steal, kill, and to destroy, according to John 10.10, we know that God and Jesus have come that we might have life and life more abundantly. That God's turning this thing around. God is using what the enemy meant to destroy for the kingdom of God to shine brighter than ever. Before, I heard another story. One of my friends, Brandon Barber, pastors elevate people in downtown Houston, sent me a really great article about the Brazilian president giving his life to Jesus, surrendering his life, and, and, and he, in fact, the whole nation is on quarantine, and he told him, he said, listen, at this time and this day, I want everybody to sing how great thou art, and they did, as a nation, windows were open, nobody's in the streets because everybody's quarantined, and the nation, you could just hear the, the, the people singing and worshiping God, it was absolutely amazing, you don't hear that all over the news. That God is moving in the hearts and lives of people. I even saw a, a, a post by the Vatican, the Pope, that said, hey, listen, if you can't get to confession, it's okay. You can confess to God and he can hear you and, and hear your confession right where you're at. I mean, if that ain't a breakthrough, I don't know what is. The fact that you don't have to go to a person for confession, but I can go straight to God. God is the source of our forgiveness. I'm telling you, God is doing some amazing things in the midst of this virus and this crisis. Now, I, I also want to recognize, look, many of you are watching. I was watching uh, through some of the news and saw some of the polls. Uh, I think it said 46% of people in America have either lost their job or they've, they've lost some hours of work. They're losing income. So I want you to know there are things that are happening. Even if you're not sick, if you're staying home, lives are being impacted. People are afraid. People are nervous. What's going to happen? Thank God for this stimulus uh, bill that was passed that's going to help us. Thankful for that. But we still have this crisis that we're faced with, this storm that every one of us are trying to navigate and learn how to walk in a new normal. And so today I want to talk from a passage found in Mark chapter 4. Uh, it's Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. And I just want to share a couple of thoughts from this passage. This is the story where Jesus and his disciples they actually get in the boat and they're crossing to the other side of the lake. Now, Jesus has been with the crowds. He's been teaching. And, and I love, even just before this, it says when Jesus spoke, he spoke in parables to the masses. In other words, he spoke in ways that they could clearly understand complex biblical concepts, uh, and he broke it down in modern, easy-to-learn to ways for people so that they could grab a hold of the truth of God's word. And so here we see they're crossing to the other side. They're in the boat. Verse 35, it says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Just as he was in the boat, there were other boats with them, and a furious squall, look at what it says, furious squall. It came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So they're in the middle of this storm. They're trying to get to the other side and the storm is so bad, the waves are coming inside of the boat. So we see the disciples, they're about to freak out. It says, Jesus, he's actually in the stern. Disciples, they're, they're concerned, they're freaking out. Jesus is sleeping on a cushion. 
Come on. So they're struggling and Jesus is sleeping. Now, how many have ever felt like that? Maybe right now, even in the midst of this crisis and this coronavirus pandemic, you could say, God, I'm struggling. God, it seems like the waves are overtaking my life, and yet you seem to be sleeping in my life. How many have ever felt like that? Come on. I mean, we've all been there. And he says, yeah, no, he, he, he's sleeping. And it says, the disciples woke him up. And said to him, look at what the disciples said. So they go wake Jesus up. He, he was resting. And, and the thing that I love about Jesus, see, they're straining, they're concerned, they're worried. But Jesus already knew that his life was in the hands of God, his father. So he could rest in the middle of the storm. And they said, look, teacher, don't you care if we drown? I mean, imagine, they've been with Jesus. They've seen the miracles. They've, they've been around him. He, he has brought them in his family, and they question whether he actually cares about them. So the storm is messing with them a little in the, their perspective of who God is and, and Jesus and his power and his care and concern for them. Verse 39 says, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Verse 40 says, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And then verse 41 says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Wow, what a powerful story. If I were to title the message today, it would be when Jesus is in the boat. Let me do this. Let me just pray over us. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, as your word has been spoken I'm asking for just clarity of thought, clarity of speech. Lord, let it fall on good ground. Let our hearts be open to what you want to speak to us in these uncertain times, these times of what seems to be a storm upon us. Father, I thank you for your grace and your strength and your power that Jesus, you never leave us or forsake us, that you're right in the boat with us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Come on, give me an amen in the comments. Yes, come on, and amen. Now, I love this story because you see Jesus tells the disciples, hey, we're going to go the other side. He gets in the boat with them. Now, Jesus is resting, and this storm comes upon the disciples, uh, but it didn't have Jesus concerned. He wasn't worried. He wasn't anxious. He was still resting, even though there really was a storm. And the disciples, what we see, look, they are in the middle of a physical storm. That's right, a physical storm. The, the waves are crashing into the boat. The, the water's coming into the boat. Like, like there is really a storm that is taking place, a squall. Can you imagine? I mean, that's like the, the worst storm you could possibly be, possibly be in. And, and I think it's a great illustration for us today, too. We find ourselves in the middle of the storm. The coronavirus is a storm. I mean, it is a real threat. And the truth is, we know people have died from the coronavirus. Like there are real consequences, real events that have transpired. Businesses have closed. People have lost their job. Like there are real things that are taking place. So I think as, as the church, we have to acknowledge that there is a storm upon us. Like people's lives are being shifted. I don't know about you, but uh, for me, all of my kids, we got four kids. I'm at home sitting in the front room trying to work and they're running through the house. We're trying to learn how to do school. Look, that is a storm in and of itself. If you got four kids trying to jump on one or two computers, uh, we're just 
just trying to survive. I'm like, oh, come on, Jesus. Help us educate these kids without killing them. Anybody know what I'm talking about, mamas? All my mamas, I know you give me a thumbs up or an amen, pastor. I mean, they're real storms. It's real challenges. Social distancing, listen, that's a real challenge. We were not created to be isolated. We were created to be in community, to live with one another. Like when you start to isolate, fear can grip you, anxiety can grip you. Look, those emotions, those things are all real. And we have to understand, look, people are sick. People need help. People need resources. And so the storm is really upon us and it is real. But I love what Psalms 46, 1 through 6 and 10 through 11 says. Look, it says, God is our refuge and our strength always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Let the nations, though they're in chaos and their kingdoms are crumbling. Look, when you read this, I'm thinking, man, how many feel like the world is falling apart? Well, that's what this passage sounds like. like. Like the nations are in chaos and the kingdoms are crumbling. And yet in the midst of that, it's almost as if God had, had a sneak peek into us today, way back then with the psalmist saying, listen, it may feel like the world is crumbling. It may feel like the storm's going to consume you. But I want you to, to, to know that I'm your refuge and I'm your strength and I'm here to help you in times of trouble. And then verse 10, I really think we got to grab a hold of this. It says, be still. I be still. And it's not just physical stillness. How many know you can physically be still, but your spirit not be still, your emotions not be still, your soul not be still. And I think it's a time for us to rest like Jesus. He rested. I mean, think he's resting in the boat. There's a stillness that comes when you recognize who's with you in the boat in the middle of the storm. It says, be still and know that I am God. I just think it's important for us to realize that. Though there's a physical storm, we serve a God that's greater than any storm we might face. The the second part of a storm that they faced, it was more than just physical. It really is an emotional storm. And when you look at what took place, the disciples, they're, they're afraid. I mean, they're concerned. There's anxiety. Like, they're really concerned that they're about to die. And that anxiety begins to grip them. And I think for us today, if we're not careful watching all the news, hearing all the negative things that are happening, we can have that same fear, that same panic, that same anxiety, and be in the middle of an emotional storm that we don't check our emotions. And so they begin to control our lives. Look, emotions are fickle. We got to say, listen, I'm going to feel fear, but I'm not going to camp out with fear. I may feel anxiety, but I'm not going to live in anxiety. I may feel these different emotions that come, isolation, but look, I'm not alone, that God is with me and the church is alive. And I just think understanding I'm in this storm, but I'm not going to allow the storm to consume my life. Otherwise, what happens is we get into this uh, emotional roller coaster, right? You're up one minute and you're down the next and you think, man, God, I'm having a good moment now, but Ten minutes later, it's a bad moment. It's just this roller coaster ride of emotions. It reminds me of a story. You know, Phyllis and I, we, we actually went to Disneyland in California this last year, took our family, had a blast. It was absolutely amazing. Never been. I'm 42 years old. Never been to Disney, but you know what? Your pasta was at Disney with Mickey, and it was, it was absolutely amazing. I remember the first day we got there. We get off the little tram, and 
We were doing good just to get there, so I didn't do any pre-planning for all of you planners. Look, we hate you, just saying, come on, somebody. Like, right, you're the one that it, it's like, oh, you're the reason. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. So, so I'm not a planner. I was just glad to be there, but we got there early. That was really good for us with all the kids. Got up early, get to Disneyland, and we, we had the app. If you ever go to Disney, got to get this app because the app tells you how long of a wait it is to get on the rides. Well, again, I didn't look at all the rides, didn't even know which rides were there. We get in, and we're looking, and there's this ride, Guardians of the Galaxy, and it only had like a five to 10 minute wait. We're like, praise God, it looks like a major attraction. It's awesome. So we start to walk, we're walking fast and get over to this, this ride. Now I look up and it's, it's a big building, but I didn't think anything of it. I thought, well, cool, man, that's, that's awesome. It, man, it's thematic, you know, it's, it looks space age. And so we get over into the ride. Well, there's not, there's not a long line. So they just move us right up to the front. We get on the ride. I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome. The whole time, it's about this mission, and it's really cool. You got Ra- Rocket the raccoon. He's telling us about what's happening. So we strap in. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're on a roller coaster ride, and you just have a little seatbelt, I'm thinking it'll be deal. Right. This ain't this be deal. So, so they put us in a seatbelt. They're like, you, you locked in. I'm locked in. It's good. So the, the wall goes, the, the room goes black. There's a screen on the wall that's in front of us. Rocket the raccoon comes in. You're on a mission. We're going to break out and telling us what we've got to do. I'm thinking, cool. Goes black. We start to go up. I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, cool. It wasn't going up super fast. So I didn't think anything of it. It did take a little while. Now that I'm... <laughs> Now that I'm thinking about it, and, and so you're just like, I don't know what to, what to expect. I thought, well, cool, this is a virtual ride. It's going to be a little kiddie ride. It's going to be so cool. And so, lo and behold, all of a sudden, Rocket the raccoon comes back on the screen in front, and uh, there's this fuse, and he's like, shh, we're going to blow it. It's going to explode, and then we're going to get out of here. And all of a sudden, it goes, boom, goes dark, and I kid you not, we fell down like when I say I was, I was freaking out, I think that's, that's, the, that's like, like for real. In fact, it was so bad, I got to tell you, um, I think you passed a pee just a little bit in his pants by the time I got down. I was not expecting, <laughs> I was not expecting this. I'm holding on to my little girls. I'm like, oh my God, I'm about to lose these little, these girls are sitting next to my, my two little girls. And uh, I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. So I'm trying to recover. Uh, okay, God, got it. You know, I'm thinking the ride's over. No, but no, listen, the ride wasn't over. And for the next two minutes, it goes up and down, up and down, up and down. And, and I am just emotionally, physically, I mean, every aspect of my life was just, I, I didn't have anything left to give. I had spent it all trying to survive guardians of the galaxy. It was crazy. And I think that that's a lot like what our lives are like. Like nobody knew what this coronavirus would do, that we would be in social isolation. Nobody knew the, the, the havoc it would wreak on the economy and businesses and marriages and families. And so I think we've been in this roller coaster ride. It's like, I think I'm good. No, it's not good. My God, we're hearing this bad thing and this bad thing, a glimmer of hope. And then it gets, you know, more, more bad news. Hey, we're not done. We hadn't seen the worst of it yet. This is what I know. Regardless of what the news says, regardless of what I 
feel like. I know that our God is for us. He will keep us. He will guard us. And I choose to not allow my emotions to be engaged in this storm as we face and walk through this coronavirus. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 7 says, look, we live by faith, not by sight. Doesn't matter what it looks like. I'm going to live by faith. God, I trust you and I trust your word regardless of what it looks like. Second Timothy 1, 7. Hopefully you've been praying this. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and of a sound mind and self-discipline. First John 5, 4, everyone born of God overcomes the world. Look, you got First John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And I love this, Psalm 91. You ought to be praying Psalm 91 over your family, over your household every single day. But I love this portion. In, in verse 11, it says, he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. What does that mean, pastor? That means you got a bodyguard. That means you, you may not be able to see him. You can't look at him or you experience him or feel him. But listen, you got a bodyguard. You got angels that are positioned at your house saying, look, we're going to guard. We're going to protect. And I'm just grateful that our God loves us enough that he has angels on assignment to protect us and our lives and our families. And so, look, my emotions are not going to get caught up in this storm. Look, the third type of storm the disciples face is really a spiritual storm. And uh, some of you, it's the physical storm. Some of you, it's the emotional. But some of you, it's this spiritual storm that you find yourself caught up in. They spoke to Jesus and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? Think about that kind of a storm spiritually. Like, like for them, Jesus was their hope. For them, Jesus was the answer. They laid their lives down for him. They had, they had surrendered all and, and followed Jesus. They'd given up everything. And in this moment, that storm caused them spiritually to say, God, I don't even know if you are who you say you are. That, see, there was a crisis of belief. And, and we've got to be careful in this coronavirus pandemic that we don't have a crisis of belief. God is still on his throne. God still cares. God loves you. God will protect you. God is here for us. And though the enemy would try to steal, kill, and destroy, God's going to turn it around. He's going to bring life. We're going to see things happen and advance the kingdom of God in ways that would have never been possible before. And now I, I want to make sure that you hear this. I don't believe God caused the coronavirus. Um, I, I think we've got to know the nature and the heart of God. Uh, I, I think that's, that's a, a, a demonic thing. The enemy brought it. But I do know that God will never allow a crisis to go to waste. Listen, what the enemy brings to destroy, God's going to turn it around. God's going to bring a, a, a revival of hearts. Because remember this, it's not just about the physical. We're in a spiritual battle. And he is after the hearts and souls of men and women that we would turn our lives back to him. And so he'd allow this to cause us to say, God, I need you. God, I'm, I'm desperate for you. We need hope in this moment. Deuteronomy 31.6. Here's what's crazy. Disciples would have known this passage. Look, they would have heard this. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you 
or forsake you. So they would have known this. And so here they are because there's a storm. They're like, God, you left us. No, he didn't leave. In fact, he's still in the boat. He may not feel like he's in the boat. It may not seem like he's in the boat, but God is in the boat. He cares about you. He hasn't changed. And I think we've got to be careful about believing in bad theology. Look at Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. 29. Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Look at what he says. He says, Jesus replies, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Man, isn't that powerful? I wonder if that could be some of our mistake today. As believers, we could go to church, but just because we go to church doesn't mean that we read the word of God for ourselves, that we, that we have allowed ourselves to be immersed with the word of God. And so for us, we gotta dig into the word. We've gotta make sure that the Bible is coming alive inside of us so that when the enemy tries to create a storm spiritually in our lives, we can say, no, I stand on the truth of God's word. He never changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I think what's happened in this whole coronavirus pandemic is that our lives were on autopilot. It was easy to go to church. We took it for granted. In fact, some of you are watching right now, and the truth is you hadn't been to church in months, but look at what God's done. You're now in the living room. You're watching on your iPhone. You're watching through your computer. You're engaging in what God is doing all because of this. And so we said, look, I'm no longer on autopilot. What do you mean? Well, hey, there are no norms of what we used to have in the past. The, everything we are faced with now is changed. School has changed. Church has changed. Work has changed. Family life has changed. So our lives have been flipped upside down. And so where the church was asleep, where we were sleepwalking, I think many of us were sleepwalking through, through entertainment. We were allowing ourselves to be caught uh, into this lull like, hey, I'm just, I'm, you know, God. God, it's okay. We, we became lukewarm. Now it's like, God, where are you? We're pursuing you. We're chasing after you. We're not entertained and, and pacified by the things that we once were. And I think that God is using this to say, church, you got to wake up. Church, you got to wake up. You got to wake up. Like, like, hey, come on. There are people that are dying and going to hell, and I need the body of Christ. See, I, I, I think we have to understand we are the solution to what the world needs. And what I mean by that is we're the dealers of hope. Look, you're not the, 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 the Savior. That's Jesus. God, he's the Savior. But we are the mouthpiece. We're the ones that are supposed to preach the gospel, to declare the goodness, to go to the highways and byways. And look, we may not be able to physically go, but how I many you know I can get on my computer and share a message. I can get on my phone and say, hey, how are you doing? And so we are the solution for the harvest that is plentiful. The, the harvest is out there. People are hungry. We just have to make sure we engage even though we ourselves are experiencing a storm. And I'd say this, look, let's acknowledge the storm, but let's choose to exercise faith. Look, some of you, it's the physical storm. Like there are real things that have been impacted in your life because of the coronavirus. Some of you, listen, I, I, I get it, it's the emotional storm. 
In fact, some of you have struggled with anxiety and fear now more than ever. If that's you, I did a Zoom call yesterday with Tim Maver George, who is over at the Center for Christian Counseling in Houston. And I want to encourage you to go to our Facebook page, watch that. There's some practical things that we can do along with getting into the Word of God and saying, look, this emotional storm is not going to cause me to get off course with God. I can feel these emotions. I can feel this anxiety, but I'm not going to stay with it and camp there with those emotions. And then spiritual storms. You know, you've been questioning God. God, where are you? Why would you let this happen? I want to encourage you to dive into the word. Find out who God is, not what people say. That it's the word that he defines himself by. That this is his character and his nature. And for us as the body to be stronger. That's right. The body of Christ, that we would be stronger. It it takes us working out so that we can have the strength we need to do what God's called us to do. Now, I, I... used to work out at 24 hours of fitness, just like many of you. The gym closed a couple of weeks ago. And just to be honest, I hadn't been working out. Anybody been working out? No, I've been thinking about it. Anybody thinking about it? If, if you've been thinking about it, give me some hearts or say, yeah, amen, pastor, been thinking about it. Some of you, you're like, I ain't even been thinking about it. And that's okay, right? We can see it. No, I'm just joking. Can't see you. <laughs> so what I realize is that just as when we work out, that's what makes us strong. Look, there are things we got to do as the church that exercise what we need to make us stronger. I mean, think about going to the gym. I, I was thinking about this today. You can walk in the gym and you can show up, but it doesn't mean you're going to get stronger. I mean, think about that guy. Everybody's got that guy. You know what I'm doing? Maybe you're that guy, but you, you walk in the gym and, and, and they're, they're like, hey, what's up? What's up? high-fiving everybody, and, but you never see them working out. You're out there sweating. You're pushing that, that way. You're, you're pushing. Ah, and they're like, oh, good job, good job. You're like, bro, when are you going to work out? Oh, no, 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 man, I'm, I'm good. They just walk around and say hi to everybody, and then they leave. Would that person get any stronger? No. no. Why? Because it's just talk. No, just talk. They, they, didn't, they didn't do anything. They just talked to people. So they were in the right place. But it was all talk. I mean, think about the person. You walk into the gym and say, what's up? I'm going to check in and do that. And then go straight to the locker room and take a shower. And you're like, man, I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. And then you get out. You go back home. Well, are they going to be any stronger? No, they're not going to be any stronger. The only way you get stronger is to put your heart and soul and energy and focus in pushing those weights up and causing that, that, that muscle to be strained. And so going against something that you normally can't do by yourself, that's why you got spotters. What do spotters do? They help you with the heavy weight. Jesus is your spotter. I know these storms feel hard. I know it seems impossible, but with God, all things are possible, and you're just exercising those spiritual muscles. And here's my concern, is that I think even as Christians, just like in the example, we go to church and many times we're getting clean. Look, we've been made the righteousness of God and we think, look, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm clean, I'm strong. No, just being clean doesn't make you strong. It's the storms, it's the resistance, it's the tough times, it's the challenges that make us strong. I want to make sure that our church is growing, that in these days, that coronavirus doesn't make us fall to the left or to the right, but we're raising up an army. It's not a social club. It's not people that just get together when it's easy or convenient, but people that say, look, God, we follow you 
you. God, we serve you. Whether there's a coronavirus or not, whether I get sick or not, whether it's easy or not, I choose to be the church. Why? Because you saved me. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Thank you for love and joy and hope and faith. But the bottom line is, look, I was a sinner in need of a savior. He saved me. I was going straight to hell, and God came looking for me. If you don't know my story, I was strung out on drugs. We had been high and strung out for five days straight, running from God. We were about to go clubbing one more night. The fifth night, hadn't slept in days. I was in the bathroom. I'm just, just going about my own way, messed up on drugs. Different. And then all of a sudden, the presence of God showed up in my bathroom. I'll never forget. It's, I had a vision. I'm like, God, you're here. And I saw this fork in the road. You can go here. And I believe had I left that house not responding to God, I would have died and gone to hell that night. And I walked out of the bathroom. I told Phyllis, I said, hey, God's here. Like, you can go out with everybody, but look, I, I can't go. God is in this place. She thought I was messed up, kind of laughed a little bit. Anybody know that person, when they get messed up, they pontificate, they, they start talking about God? Well, that wasn't me. But she saw something in my eyes. She said, something's happened. We kicked everybody out, and for the next five hours had a visitation from God. He changed us radically. Never been the same. From that moment, we have been on this path. And here's been the goal, is that we would create moments like this for people like you that maybe you weren't looking for God, but God's come looking for you. That there's this safety in knowing that I don't have to be perfect. Look, I wasn't perfect. I didn't have to clean myself up. What I had to do was just respond to God. And that's what the church is all about. We're building a church that is strong, that can create moments for people to surrender their life to a God who is real and who loves us.